Good morning. I kind of bumped the person next to you. Just there you go. Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. I got something wonderful to tell you, and I want to make sure everybody can point. I want to tell you about the love of God. Have you ever had someone? I'm going to tell you like I heard a great person speak yesterday. That they had a lot in common with Paul. Not here because I'm a great speaker. I'm here because I got a great subject to talk about. Marcia gave a, a speech yesterday at a, a general and all. She did a great job. Very impressed. But uh, what I want to talk to you about the love of God. Have you had something that you loved? You had something you really loved? Go out and tell everybody about it, show it around. Did you kind of keep it secret and then hold it to yourself, make sure nothing happened to it and all? I want to ask you, what is pure love? Her story that kind of saw, sums it all up. That uh, <clears throat> this man was out walking on the sidewalk. He looked out and he found his wallet, just an old tavern, brown wallet. Cheap wallet had red lace around the outside. Uh, he opened it up. The only thing in it was three rubbered up one dollar bills and a blue piece of uh, envelope. It was all wrinkled up, but it was pretty and blue and had a flower drew on it. No identifications in it, so he decided that he would look around and see if he could find out who it belonged to. He said that uh, he really didn't want to read someone else's mail, but he opened it up. He noticed on it that it was dated November the 6th, 1924. He said it must be something important someone had carried around with him that long. That did uh, on the envelope it says that I really love you, but my mama don't think that we need to see each other anymore. Hello. So, uh, had a phone number and all. He decided that he's going to find out who this belonged to. It must have been afforded to him. So he called up the operator and said, I know this is a stranger quit, but I got a phone number. Can you tell me who it belonged to an address? She said, we got to talk to my supervisor. Supervisor come on. He told her the story of the letter and all. She said, well, I can't get you that number, but I do have a number. It's still in effect. I said, I'll call it. If they want to talk to you, I'll give them your number. So he said he sat there about 30 minutes, finally phone run. said, I got someone out there that doesn't they willing to speak with you. So anyway, they called and they got talking and the people said, yeah, we bought this house about 10 years ago from a family that had a daughter named Helen. said, but uh, the daddy had passed away, but she had put her mama in the nursing home. That's all I can tell you. So he called around different nursing homes. And he said, we're not supposed to tell you this, but yes, we have someone here named Helen that, from that area. Said it, he knew it was late in the evening. He said, but can I come over and talk to her? He said, it's very important. I said, well, you can come over. So he said he'd come over. 
He went in, and I met with the security guard and the head nurse, and they carried him up to this room, and she was sitting there reading her book, and he talked to this little 72-year-old lady and said that uh, I found this wallet that had this blue envelope in it. He said, and I was wondering if you knew who it was. She said, oh, yes. That is Mark Davis's envelope that I wrote. She said, I really love that man. Now, me being 16 years old, my mama didn't think I should be seeing anybody serious like Said that I never married. I guess because nobody could compare to Mark. Said, do you know where he's at? I'd love to see him. Said, the man told said, I sure don't. I'm trying to find him myself. And she said, if you do, you tell him that I love him. I truly love him. Said that it was late at night. And he knew that that was probably too big of a quest. He was surprised that he accomplished as much as he did. But he, he gave his word that he would try and do his best to locate Mark for him, knowing that there was probably no way of doing it. Said he walked out and got in the elevator. Said the security guard stopped him and said, hey, did you find this American? Said, yeah, I found her. Said, but uh, I don't think it's going to do me any good. He said, you know, it's strange how the Lord can lead you in different ways. Just by simple things as a wallet. The security guard said, hey, wait a minute. I recognize that brown wallet. Everybody knows that brown wallet trimmed in red. That's Mr. Mark's wallet. Said he loses it probably two or three times a week. Said, tell me where you found it. Said, I found it outside. He said, well, wait a minute. Do you know this, Mr. Mark? He said, oh, yeah. He's been here for two years. He's on the eighth floor. Said, he likes just to read books. So he said, that I told him, I said, you, would you please show me and Mr. Mark? He said, I'm sure he's still up reading. So he went to the eighth floor. Sure enough, you were reading that book. So he told Mr. Mark, said, hey, I found it. I was walking, I was wondering if it was yours. He said, yes, that's mine. He said, well, I found this letter inside and I read it. He said, Mr. Mark's eyes lit me. He said, you read my letter? He said, it was the only way I could find out who it belonged to. He said that, and I could tell, though, that there was great love in that letter. He said, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I found this letter. And I talked with her. He said his heart and everything just lit up and he wanted to know how is she. Is she still as beautiful as she was? Do you know her? If you do, please let her know that I really love her. And I never married because nobody could match up to her love. The man's eyes say, got so curious that I'm going to do one better. Him and the security guard said, we're going to take you and show you something. So he got up and went with him. And so when he came in the door, time the door open. So he went in and told him, and said, I found Mark. Said, oh, she jumped straight up and went hollering, oh, is he still as handsome as he's always with? Did you tell him that I love him? Said, I got one better. Said, the door opened and Mark had no more stepped in the door. And they, they both recognized each other. They rang and they hugged and embraced each other. Said, he went on his way. Said, two weeks later, he got a call from the head nurse inviting him to a wet. <laughs> they wanted him to be their best man. He said the wedding was beautiful. Everybody at the nursing home was there. He said it was the first time he'd seen a 72-year-old lady and a 76-year-old man act like teenagers. He said, but 
They didn't leave each other's side. That is pure love. And that's something that we need to have. Not only for God, for ourselves, but that is something that we need to have for each other. Now I'm going to ask you another question. Have any of y'all used a, a pencil since I talked to you about how a pencil? I'm going to go a little step further. Bring out my cut you even deeper. How many of y'all even walk by a lawnmower? Brother Mike has, the yard looks good. Did you happen to think about the Bible? Did you happen to think about God? When you use that pencil? I'm going to talk to you today. I'm going to do it one more time. Then I'm going to go back to doing my regular lesson. Next week it's going to be, hopefully, the good Lord willing on the book of Ruth. How many of you like the bowl? Have you been to a bowling alley? Well, next time you go to a bowling alley, ride by one. I hope that you have different thoughts. Some lessons I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning from a bowling alley. First of all, I'm going to go ahead and hit you with the bite, the gutters. Now, in case some of you don't know much about bowling, on each side of the aisle, the aisle is a little trough, a little ditch called a gutter. If your ball falls in that gutter, it just rolls on and on and you don't get anything out of it. That's like our lives. We let our lives fall in them gutters. We're not going to be able to do anything for God. As I said, if your ball goes into the gutter, first of all, it don't come back out. It does not allow you to knock down any pins. That's the main object of the game. The gutter is there to keep your score low. Turn with wood verse uh, Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15 and 14. It's going to tell you, and this is in red, Jesus said, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall in the ditch. Nothing good can be accomplished for the work of God. There are spiritual, spiritual gutters or ditches in life that must be avoided. Sometimes we can allow others to take us down these paths. We can allow maybe uh, our spouses or maybe our children or maybe our other family, maybe even co-workers or someone, someone what we look up to. Maybe we can see athletes on, on TV or favorite movie stars doing stuff, and sinful stuff, and they can lead us to want to go down and eventually lead us down these paths. Now over in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Verses 14 through 17 tells us, Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the ways of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. Verse 17 says, For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Now flip on over, back over to Psalms. Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scornful, but his delight is in 
is in the law of the Lord and his law. He meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water that bring forth his fruit in his season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So telling us there to stay away from these wicked ones. Stay away from the ones that's wanting to lead you down these paths of evil and lead you into these gutters of life and all. There is a way that is sinful and nothing on that way is right. Nothing on that way is going to show our praise to God. There, this is the broad way that leads to the destruction of Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, 7. Matthew 7 and 13 tells us as we turn up Matthew 7 and 13 where it talks about of this broad way. Enter by the nearer gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. So it's telling us that this gate is wide. It's going to be easy to go down that road. And it's going to be useless. So we need to go through the narrow gate. Now another lesson that we can learn from our bowling alley is the center pin is the most important pin. If you notice that the pin is just going to be gathered in front of all of them. And in the configuration of the bowling pins, they're the center pin. That's the key to success. If you want to get a strike and want to knock them all, all the pins down, that's the one you got to aim at. It affects the other pins around it and sends them on their way. It just knocks them down. There is one main objective that we must have that affects everything that we do. Now over in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verses 33 tells us, Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It's telling you here that what you got to do is seek first the kingdom of God. He's telling you who to do it. You. You're the one that's got to do it for yourself. It's telling you what to do. You're seeking something now. It's telling you when to do it. Do it the first thing. And it's telling you what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you do all this right here, it tells you that all these things shall be added uh, to you. So when we, when we are busy seeking the kingdom, everything else falls into its place. When we're studying God's word, we're talking about God's word. When we're thinking about God's word, everything is going to fall in good for not only for us, but also for others around us when we're showing the love and the praise of our Heavenly Father. Our lives are guided by that one objective. Everything else that we do is affected by that one objective. This is true no matter what else is our main objective. Now simple things is all we think about and all we do if that simple thing is our main objective, that's what's going to to corrupt us. And that's why our lives are going to be centered around. That's why we have to make sure that God's word and God's love is our main objective. As I said, everything else is going to be influenced by what we put into the center of our lives. Just as hitting the center pin affects our bowling score, what is at the center of our lives affects everything. Over in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's going to talk to us about uh, 
our pins and what all we put into it. When it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance to the race that is set before us. Verse 2 tells us, Looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand on the throne of God. So here, Jesus was looking at, Jesus went through the cross. The cross was his center point at the time. We are in a race, and there must be one aim. We must have one objective, one goal in this race. We have to put aside the sins that, that uh, captures us, the snares us as it says, and focus on Christ in order to reach our heavenly goal. If Christ is not our center pin, then our aim is off. Another lesson we can learn is if you don't succeed at first, try again. In a bowling frame, you have two opportunities to knock down all ten pins. Seen some of you both. Kim's sake and not mention their other names, but some of us did three and four times. <laughs> Even though her score is higher than mine. But <laughs> sometimes you may knock just a few down the first time. You then have an opportunity to knock down the rest. When you knock down the ones in the middle and you got a pin on each side standing up, don't worry about any and everything is possible with God. But as I said, you have the opportunity to knock down the rest. Aren't you thankful that God gives us psychic chances? Now, we shouldn't go out and sin. No, just because I know that if I go out and sin, God's going to forgive me for it. That's not what it's telling us here. It's telling us that if we try to do right, if we try to uh, abide by God's word, attain to God, be obedient to God, we mess up and fall short of it, he's there to pull us back up. He's there to give us a psychic chance. And we're able to go at it again. What if we only have one opportunity to do right? Or oh, we were lost forever. No one would make it with We all sin and need forgiveness. Over in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11. It says, only Luke is with me. Tell us to get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for a ministry. What we see here in this verse is that Mark left Paul and Barnabas on a mission trip. We aren't told why, but apparently it was a good reason in Paul's mind for him to leave. Barnabas wanted to take him again. Paul wouldn't have it. So sharp was their disagreement that it says that they parted their ways. What if that had been the, the end of Mark, the last that we heard of him? We would always thought of Mark as a quitter. Thankful of this verse lets us know that Mark had matured and become valuable to the cause of Christ. 
You know, we have to stop and look at it. There's a lot of these marks in the world. People that mess up in their youth. What if we wrote everyone off who messed up while they were young? Hardly anyone would make it. Another lesson I want to learn is consistency is important. We have to be consistent. Like any athletic endeavor, consistent in form and motion and vital to the success of our effort. In other words, if you're consistent with your approach and your, and your motion, you will generally get good results. When you go one way one time, another way the next, you're going to get in trouble and not be consistent. I've seen some professional bowlers on TV. And it amazed me how consistent these guys were. How the ball just twirled and went straight down the line. I can't even get the ball to twirl good, more or less, but straight down the line every time. It was interesting that when they did not do as well that the commentator could view and replay and show and point out their mistakes. We must be consistent in our efforts for Christ. We can't be Christians one day, sinners the next. We can't be lukewarm. Because if God's word tells us, he would spit us out. We can't be what they refer to as hit and miss. Over in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. It's going to tell us about this and stick together on this one. First Peter, chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 5 through 11. Where it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to reveal them the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perish, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressibly and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, of the salvation the prophets have inquired and searched, carefully who prophesies of the grace that would come to you. Verse 11 says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. You see things keep on being in you. It's going to be tense. We have to keep on striving to add these things to our lives so that heaven can be our home. Now another goal that we have, that we can learn, another lesson we learn from this is on a bowling lane, there are guide marks for for us to use in our aiming. If we consistently bowl your ball on the same marks 
in the same way every time the ball we hit the same place. God has given us a guide to make it to heaven. It's called the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. Tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we got God's word in our hand, if we study God's word, then we are fully equipped to go out and talk to others about God's word. And this book was given by him for our learning. There is no other guide for us to get to heaven. The Bible is the only, is all that there is going to be. Now remember 2 Peter verse 1. If we follow those things, an interest shall be ministered to us abundantly. Paul told the Philippians to mind the same rule in Philippians 3 and 16. This pattern that he said has in mind for us is, is one that's laid out for them. It is the one that ends with the right result. And another lesson we learned is we need special shoes. Bowling shoes aren't beautiful, are they? They're not thing of the fashion. They're not the most comfortable of shoes to be wearing. We see over in 2 Corinthians. Ephesians 6 and 15, excuse me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. When it says, And having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. If we're going to make it to heaven, we must have these special shoes. Look over in the book of John. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 17 tells us, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We also see in uh, John uh, chapter 8, verse 32. John chapter 8, verse 32, when it tells us here, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If we don't have these shoes, there is no way to be prepared for the battle. Now the last lesson I want to look at this morning is scores being kept. If you know how to keep scoring bowling, you're way ahead of me. When you get a strike or a spare, I get lost. I'm thankful that they have these electronic scoreboards keeping the score for me. And we see over in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 tells us. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Our works is what's going to determine our end through the mercy and the kindness of God. God is keeping up with what we do here on earth. Now people are telling you, now wait a minute, you just told me not long ago that it wasn't our works here on earth that's going to get us into heaven. It's going to be the mercy of God. It's going to be God's judgment. And our works is what we're going to be judged on. Now works here I'm talking about, we need to study God's word. 
We need to go out and do what God's word tells us to do. And we also need to not do what it tells us don't do. God is keeping up with what we do here on earth. Revelations chapter 20. Revelations chapter 20. Verse 12 and 13. You just stay out of the Revelation, but it's in there for a reason. It's in there for us to learn, to tell us. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 and 13 tells us, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the words, by the things which were written in the book. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Now did you notice the last phrase in this last sentence? And they were judged, each one according to his works. Again, our works are being monitored. God is aware of what we do. Last verse we want to look at this morning is Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14 and 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say to, saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Our works follow us even after death. If you need help in doing God's word by being baptized and becoming a child of God, or maybe you haven't been doing the work that you should be, the way that God wants you to, you've stepped out of his way. Whatever your needs may be, you need to be washed in, in the blood, or maybe just in prayers and encouragement of the congregation. I ask you to come forward this time, but we stand and sing our song of invitation.